Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome to Compounding World and welcome to the latest episode of a Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. My name is Mike Delisio and I'm joined by Sebastian Dennison. Hey Seb, I know we're not together once again, but we're, we're getting the hang of doing this um, and having the ability to record. And I don't think we need to remind anybody anymore, considering that we've probably <laughs> done almost half of our episodes like this in the last six months. I, I, I'm kind of getting used to this. I miss you, but at the same time, I get to see your face on a regular basis. So this works out. I'm good. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> enjoying the, the confines of my, of my office here in the Houston headquarters. Um, and I know it's, it is different without having a lot of our clinical services team members in house as well, but nevertheless, you know, I, I don't believe the mortar and pestle has had a chance to suffer. We've, we've continued to roll on and I, I couldn't think of a better segue into introducing our guest for today, given the fact that we've had a chance to discuss really important topics that have focused on marketing, focused on social media, focused on overall consumer behavior, as well as, you know, managing expectations of your staff as well as your patients, um, pretty much to wrap a bow on it and to, to give it a tagline, we're going to essentially look at today's episode and call it branding and such a wide topic and something that could mean so many different things. And we have the ability and we are so fortunate to have Diana Fennerty, who is a territory manager that serves for PCCA Canada, actually, and she's been with us for over nine years in the role in Vancouver, British Columbia. So Diana, um, you've had a chance to speak for PCCA on several occasions, whether it is directly to our members or to independent community pharmacies as a whole. Welcome to the podcast and, and just thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan to say the least, and I'm excited to share and have a great conversation with you guys and bring some bring some items to, to light and, and expand a little bit more about why branding interacts so well with social media and marketing campaigns and identity. So Diana, I think, I, you know, I, I gave a really broad definition of your role and I said you served as territory manager and you've had the ability to present not only to members, but uh, to other core audiences like students, et cetera, over your time at PCCA. Uh, give our listeners a bit better understanding, you know, of your background, you know, your time spent, within the community pharmacy arena, if you want to call it that. It, it has been quite some time. You, you possess a tremendous amount of knowledge, but you've worked very closely with independent community pharmacies who specialize in compounding. And I think it's really important to give our listeners a better understanding of, you know, what has interested you as well as what have you learned and, and what do you envision the future to be for a lot of our members, not only in Canada, but worldwide. Yeah, so I have been with the company for nine years, and I, I do take care of British Columbia as a territory, along with Quebec, which is our French province in, in eastern Canada and our Atlantic provinces. Um, and, you know, I interact with all sorts of different uh, members. Some of them are part of a bigger banner group that have some of their marketing done for them. Some of them are sole standalone independents. Um, you know, and I, I work with them on a daily basis to really help define and bring purpose and mission to their own practice to set themselves apart in the community 
uh, that they're not a commodity, that we are, as compounders, innovative and independent and uh, really passionate about what we can bring to the table. And so, so we're going to kind of get into the meat quickly because that's when you talk about bringing the, bringing the passion and that sort of purpose, we wanted to kind of differentiate in this podcast about branding versus just marketing. Because I think people are going to get carried away and they're like, I'm going to go out and market, market, market. And they don't think about that brand piece. And so when we talk about branding, we needed someone who's got a lot more experience and this is what you're here for. So first question is, what is the differentiation between marketing and branding? And how are we going to position this for our membership or for any kind of compounder? Yeah, well, what's funny is that your company, your business has a brand, whether you want whether you've defined it already or not. And so really thinking about branding is really thinking about controlling the messaging, the feeling, the knowing of what your business does and the purpose of why you do it um, versus letting others define that business for you. And so marketing is really, it, it's a lot about promoting and selling. So we do things like marketing through our social media campaigns or flyers or in-house word of mouth with patients that come in our door uh, it's the how the people find you. So whether you have, you know, a, a page on the internet through Yelp reviews and things like that, it's the simple how-to, what you do and why you do it. But branding is really the art of communicating your authentic brand image and the purpose and what sets you apart versus your competition. It's how people get to know you on a personal level so that they can begin to trust and, and want to interact with you on a more deeper level. How have you seen that being, you know, even more so important in 2020 versus years past? I don't want to underestimate how important this is for any business, not only independent community pharmacy. It's, it's important for any product or service that you're offering and, and is really important not only internally to your employees, but externally to the clients that you serve. How has 2020 shifted a focus towards the overall importance of branding and, and what it really means when you are a potential customer searching for a product or service, like I mentioned, and now you are kind of relying on that, that personal feel and touch and everything else. And what have you seen, you know, people that have been able to thrive and, and where have you seen a gap where people can definitely improve? Yeah, it's such an interesting question. Um, COVID definitely has created a, a, a huge gap between those that do branding well and those that don't. Again, branding goes back to creating that emotional tie-in with the customer on every single level. That means that whether you can travel to the pharmacy or not, you have to go see your pharmacy and your pharmacist because of the services and the experience that you gain from them. And where COVID has really impacted pharmacies is you know, pharmacies maybe have relied a little bit more on, you know, the things that they market well, the quickness to fill a script or, or the products that they sell. They haven't branded themselves as the one and only pharmacy experience that that patient needs. And that really has left a gap in, you know, members saying, you know, I'm losing patients because they didn't know that we offered delivery service. And, you know, I pushed back on them a little bit and said, you know, if, if you were creating an experience where they thought that you were different than any other pharmacist selling the products that you sell, is that they, they would have picked up the phone and asked you. And so the why is, why aren't they interacting with you in a deeper level and, and not creating your business as a commodity style business? 
So when you're talking about that deeper interaction and that why, um, can you give me some more, some even more tangible examples that you can start building upon? Because that's it's one of the things that people are always asking. They're like, well, well, how do I start? <laughs> Explain. Yeah. Go, go a little bit deeper on that one because it's it contextually it's it's easy to say, but like nuts and bolts. How do we do it? Like where do we go? It's it's hard. I mean, it's a really introspective uh, a thing that you have to do, and it, it's often very awkward because we are taught in 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 pharmacy school that that you are you, you fill scripts. You know that's what you do. And as an independent owner, I really think that we are working with the best of the best in community pharmacies and pharmacists that really want to elevate the practice. They want to be innovative and offer services and and things that they provide that are greater than, you know, the average, the average pharmacy out there. And so just start really digging deep into your brand. You really have to ask questions um, about what, what that brand looks like. What is your mission? What is your vision? What, what's your why? And that's really the heart and soul of it. Why are you running a business? What things define that business for you? You know, what if, if somebody was to describe your pharmacy in three words, what is it? And is that exactly what you want to portray? So Diana, those questions, you know, what your brand is and why, can you kind of expand even more and give us some more questions and some more ideas on how to develop that introspection? Yeah, you know, I, I think about, you know, uh, again, you know, what kind of words do you want to describe your business? and really looking at, at what those words, what, what kind of physical characteristics, humanistic char- characteristics and values those words represent. You can actually look and think about what you want to be known for in the marketplace. Uh, and it doesn't have to be groundbreaking, earth-shattering. It can be simple, but it has to be authentic, and it has to carry through to some of the, the extra parts of branding, including mission and vision. You could think about, you know, what, what is your core mission? You know, what's at the heart of it? Uh, what are the values that that mission brings to the table? And then what kind of difference do you want to make in, in the industry? And I think that is really deep to think about, but can really take you into uh, a place where you are getting to the true nature of why, why you opened a pharmacy to begin with and why you offer the services that you do. You know, as you were saying that, the one thing that stood out to me was I was thinking back to the episode that we recorded with Erin because, you know, she was talking about customer experience and the term CX, uh, and I'm obviously doing hyphenations right now. It's just basically to show you the importance of that. So many companies are trying to define their customer experience, whether it's through things like net promoter score and, you know, um, just being an, an influencer and whether or not they're able to, to gain organic growth based on what they're doing culturally. Uh, it, it sounds like a, such an easy thing to do. And most companies that have been established probably never put any insight into this and never really did a deep dive in the, I guess you can say the origins or the creations of their business. Knowing that most independent community pharmacies are quite established and you know they don't have the ability to just rip off the bandaid and restart are there certain resources that they can use or potentially look for to, to kind of start that process if they feel that it's maybe too late and it's never too late to really dedicate this time and this energy towards all this? 
but what could one do if they were already quite established? Yeah, and I would say it's never too late. Um, the easiest thing to do would be to have a company meeting or have a company survey. Ask your staff members to describe your company in 10 descriptive words. If their values are coming back unaligned with the values of why you started your business, then you know right, right away in order to get a true brand experience and to be an authentic brand, you need to make sure that your staff is re-engaged in the purpose and your why. The, the biggest thing I see is a lot of pharmacists open a pharmacy and they've never explained to the delivery driver why they operate a compounding pharmacy and what that means to them as a pharmacy owner. And so when you're getting a compounded delivery and that delivery person might not be taking the pride that you take in, in your day to day, it completely changes the game. And it, it allows for an opportunity where patients or consumers see that there's holes in that authentic person, the person being the brand. So what's interesting, Dan, is that you mentioned mission and vision. You know, those are our core principles for, for most companies, whether it's that, once again, that internal messaging or external messaging, what do you want to try to convey, not only to your employees, but to your customers. It, those are obviously things that, you know, most companies might define, they might not define. They might just live it, eat it, breathe it, and, and truly uh, embrace it on a daily basis, but it's not hanging on a wall. And just having it on a wall is also, doesn't really provide that much value as well if you're not going to truly uh, make it one of your core principles that you truly try to abide by. Uh, are there other fundamentals, you know, thinking about either pulling the Band-Aid off, as I mentioned, and restarting from scratch if you're an established business, or whether or not you're planning on creating a new business with a new brand image, you know, what are some of the core principles that are the cornerstones of kind of building and developing your next steps while trying to take all this into consideration? Yeah. So like, as we mentioned, if you're thinking of it as an inside out kind of um, inside out goal or inside out project, let's say is the inner core, you have your purpose, you have your why. So you have to make sure that you're defining that. Then you have, you know, a vision statement and whether or not it's hanging on a wall or not, it needs to be authentic and it needs to be genuine. And if it's not, you have to make sure that you're, you're creating the desire to, to make the vision authentic. And then on the next level out, you have a, a mission statement and that's really, you know, how you plan to achieve your why. Uh, it's, it's what you say, it's walk the walk, talk the talk. And from there, you're going to really define some of those values. You know, what are the humanistic qualities of your business? Um, are you an expert? Are you a leader? Are you an innovator? And I would say part of those values needs to be some sort of definition of rules of engagement for your staff. So it's like building a baseball team or a soccer team or a football team is you, you're going to pick staff members that have the values that you want, but each of those staff members also needs to know the rules of how you expect them to play with, with those values. Uh, a good example, if you're going to say, you know, you'll, you get the right thing all the time. And if you don't, we make it right. No matter what you can't have a staff member, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an assistant say, well, we didn't get it right. You'll have to pay for it. And you know, that's just the way it goes. But if they don't, if they're not given the de definition of how to engage with that and the expectation on how to do, do it right, 
whether it's autonomously or not, is that you'll, you'll never really gain that brand awareness um, and buy-in from the consumers. They'll read right through it. So when you're talking about this brand awareness, and, and now I'm going to kind of get it a little bit more into the social media presence, do you think it's worthwhile to starting to push that message um, more predominantly in a social media platform? Because we talked about so much social media before, and now we're getting into like in conjunction with marketing or where do you present this information? Like obviously you roll it out to staff and then you push it out. Like I, I, I'm asking, how would you proceed? Yeah, personally, I think I would take a content marketing approach, making sure that I'm building content that builds that expertise uh, in the things that I'm focusing on. Uh, that will create credibility and trust in, the, in your ecosystem and make those social media posts resonate even more than, you know, maybe just a one-off photo uh, with a quick blurb related to a specific niche market. A great example, I would say, and, and something on, on a members or non-members or pharmacy or any business owner's website is the About Us page, telling the story of your business and what that looks like. You know, as a consumer myself, I look at, you know, items that I'm going to purchase, whether they're small ticket items or large ticket items, and if they have a website, so if they have a presence online, what does their social media look like? And is it stock photos or is it engaging? Do I get to know the staff or the owners? Do I get a better understanding of the experience that I'm going to have when I walk into the, the, their business? The other thing is the story behind their business. You know, the about us, how we got started, um, what, are, what we're passionate about, whether it's related to pharmacy, let's say, or the things that they like to do in their spare time helps you connect to that person and trust them a little bit more. I, you did mention prior that if it was like a, a generic about us page, you're like, and next, and next. And so that it kind of plays together. Is like you can't be just like a generic presence anymore. You do have to start working towards that brand identity and being different and being true and that authentic piece. So I, I do like that you're tying it together. Um, I guess the next part to that is, can you give me a couple of examples of something that you've seen that is really authentic in the pharmacy space? Because I don't want you to, like, Kim Kardashian, yeah, we know who she is. Don't use her as an example. Do you have a, a pharmacy or independent pharmacy example that you really like? That was just weird that you, you thought of Kim Kardashian as your example of, of a brand image. But, Diana, I didn't mean to cut you off. It was just, it was too good um, that I, I, I had to chime in and... Um, and obviously include my commentary, but that was my next question to you as well. What examples have you seen that, have, you know, have truly blown, blown you away? Because my assumption, knowing you as well, and having worked with you for, for a very long time, you're very cognizant of when somebody's got their stuff together and you are completely aware and you will try to help pass on that information to others as well, knowing when somebody's truly succeeding in a certain space. So... That was my next question, what, and, and thanks, Seb, for asking it, aside from your additional commentary, but I, I'm curious to know more about what you believe is being a true success and, and something that you believe others should be emulating. Yeah, I think um, I, have a, I have a member that does really great staff stories. So they actually hired a videographer and told staff health challenges, what they do on a day-to-day, -day, their passions, 
uh, in terms of off-site and, and on-site um, uh, ideas and events and things and, and hobbies that they like to do that really help connect you and create you know, a different purchasing experience. When you walk into the pharmacy, you feel like you're, you're talking to a person that you've already been introduced to and know because you have seen through their social media this kind of authentic introduction and it feels organic and it feels, uh, it feels, it feels genuine. It feels like I want to know that person because it was done in a professional manner. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Because mm. um, we did talk about certain individuals that, you know, might feel that they're doing everything right. And, you know, that maybe to the owner and to the, to those in charge, they believe that they are abiding by those principles and they feel that they, they have everything almost perfected. Give me, can you give me an example potentially of when there is a breakdown where you can even feel it as a third party that, you know, they are a bit disconnected from what their brand image is trying to reflect. Yeah, uh, there, it happens all the time. You have, you hire a firm or you have a couple of key staff members in a big organization that are taking care of your, your brand image. So you've got your logo down. You've got your mission and vision statements up on a wall. You have all your colors. You know the terms that you're using that gives you that brand personality. You have a beautiful store. It's lovely. You know, you have a few, let's say, and maybe they look identical to each other. So there's no discerning differences to the consumer when they walk in the door. But you haven't taken the time to teach your staff what actually is at the heart of your business, that they are not felt as if they're, they're empowered, whether that's an internal corporate culture that you haven't yet invested in or not, and they just you know, the, the brand feels expensive and then you walk in and they say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to sell you the cheapest vitamin on the, on the shelf or, you know, my, my compounds are $5 cheaper than the guys down the road. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate. You know, when you walk into a pharmacy that's supposed to be expensive, you don't expect to have a conversation about money at all because your, your social media is engaging you on a higher level, a more emotional level. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good example. You know what, what I like about this episode too and this conversation that we're having, this is probably one of the first times that we are discussing almost like evergreen material that could apply to almost any business. But we, we do want to bring it back to the whole image of personalized medicine. And you kind of just did that in compounding. So, you know, what are some of the goals that those should have when focusing on personalized medicine because it is important to have a brand image for prescribers and that brand image for patients and uniquely. And once again, we keep on finding ourselves in the same conversation. We're talking about the triad. So how would you position this knowing that, you know, you mentioned all the core principles, you mentioned the importance of a mission and vision and, and what this means to the consumer, but knowing that we're discussing the customized or personalized medicine space, how important is it and what would you potentially look for so that maybe we can also go back to some of our prior episodes and, and link the customer experience, link the marketing plan, link the presence on social media. In my opinion, this is kind of the icing on the cake because it's really taking all those concepts and those subjects that we've already had a chance to discuss in other episodes and really bringing it together. 
Yeah, no matter what, it, it comes back to the importance of building credibility in the ecosystem. And so when we think about prescriber, patient, pharmacist relationships, it's really about the expertise that you own in your own niche market. And in specific to compounding is that you need to make sure that every single thing that you are doing within your marketing strategies, within the staff experience, within the patient experience, within the physician experience, lends to that credibility. And so you really start to think about how do you create uh, the, the, the credibility that you need, the trust factors that you need. You know, if you say that you are the most educated pharmacist in bioidentical hormone replacement, are you actually telling and, and educating all of your staff, all of your physicians, all of your patients on all of the extra education that you've done to allow yourself to give that personal stamp of approval? And I see that that's, that's a big gap in a lot of what marketing efforts and branding efforts are pharmacists doing is that they say that they're doing what they do, but without creating content in their marketing efforts, there's nothing to, to hold up the backbone. So Diana, you're, all of those pieces kind of come together, but as a pharmacist, and now I'm going to kind of, I'm going to jump way, way back because A, we're on an all Canadian episode and B, we're all class of 2011 uh, hires. So going way, way back, um, when I was at my pharmacy in North Vancouver, we organically developed that authentic brand. Um, the owner, the manager, all of our, our pharmacy staff were invested in what we did. And we all lived and breathed that, that compounding perspective. And we all took ownership of different pieces, but we all presented on the same front. Like we, and, and, and we were kind of talking about this a little bit, but um, how, we, how we presented that image was different and unique to every other pharmacy in North Vancouver. And that's something that you have a unique perspective on because you've been in probably at least a couple hundred pharmacies and you probably see the difference every day. And those authentic pieces, it, it does require that introspection, but like it's everything from your scrubs to the, to the lab coats, to the, and, and Mike, I'm not going to steal any of your thunder, but sort of the presentation, the physical presence of the pharmacy. And then also now getting into that sort of uh, external presentation. But yeah, my, my team, we knew who our BHRT expert was and every physician on the North Shore knew you call Bob. It, you, you, if you had a question about vet medicine, you called our pharmacy, like it, we, we really did work hard to become those experts and, and have that external presence. But now we have an opportunity to broadcast even further. So with, with social media and uh, digital applications and so on. So um, when we, when we're kind of looking at that perspective, Diana, what are some of the ones that you, again, I don't want you to call anyone out. Um, but what are some of those other pieces that you also think are important? And can you give me, some other perspective on this that we can carry forward. Like people who are sitting there on the radio kind of going like, Ooh, you know, what are some good things to steal from someone else? Cause it's always good to replicate what is successful. Well, like you said, I mean, you guys had clearly defined a, a significant point of difference. And when you think of point of difference, uh, think of, you know, the Big Mac sauce, wherever you go to Big Mac, whenever you order a Big Mac, it always tastes the same because the Big Mac sauce is always the same. And so that consistency over time lent your, itself to creating referral programs that you probably didn't even know you were having. And that is, 
that's where you need to be on social media, where you need to be in your marketing efforts. You can market yourself on social media. You can send out flyers to your community all day long. But if you do not have those clients that would drive 50 miles across town to make sure that they are going to see your business, that they're going to see you as a person, is, are those social media efforts, are, are your customer experience efforts, are your doctor referral notes and, and things that you're doing to, to try to grow your business even resonating? You know, the, the, the biggest promotion to your business is having a diehard customer or practitioner say with a personal recommendation, you must go see this pharmacy. And I think that that's, that is what community pharmacy and independent owners can do in their business. They have the power to do this. They just need to make sure that they're defining it. I'm going to switch gears slightly, Diana, and something that Sebastian mentioned, you know, the hundreds of pharmacies that you've walked into, uh, you know, based on my experience as well, walking into to thousands of pharmacies across North America, the one thing that always stood out to me, and, and this is obviously not a call to action to, to those listening to this episode and going out and remodeling and destroying their labs and rebuilding it, um, but there really is an importance on educating your patients as well as prescribers by giving individuals, you know, a bit more transparency and, and, you know, viewing or access points to the lab, because I've always believed that the lab itself, not only the cleanliness and the showing the segregation of, of how things are made behind the scenes has always given patients a much better understanding of what personalized medicine is all about. So I've always recommended when people were in the process of doing a new build or a renovation or a potential relocation, you know, the biggest recommendation that I've always have given has, you know, make sure that if you are street level and you do have walking traffic, ensure that they're able to look into the pharmacy to see what's going on. If you can position your lab in a place, whereas they're picking up their regular prescriptions or buying their supplements, et cetera, that they have visibility once again into the lab. So this is obviously, I'm giving some structural recommendations. I'm giving some uh, opinions that unfortunately not everybody can accommodate. What else have you seen in regards to, you know, positioning of logos, you know, having more visibility or access and, and is there anything else that you can recommend that would tie into some of those important recommendations as to placement of overall compounding laboratory and what that means to the general public? Yeah, I mean, great, great kind of conversation starter. And I, and I love the question. And when you start thinking about what, what your business plan is, we talk about, you know, business and marketing plans. Well, if you're going to open up an independent pharmacy and you want to make sure that compounding is a priority, well, what if you put your compounding lab upstairs in the back where nobody sees it? Does that really represent what, in fact, you're trying to instill in terms of messaging points and, and, and a differential in your business versus the guy down the road that also has a lab in the back where you can't see it, where you can't see the quality or the, the cleanliness or how invested somebody is in compounding itself because you can't see it? You know, I think about my mom. I've been in the industry going on 15 years. I think about my mother. She's never needed a personalized medicine or, or a compound. And if I told her, you know, hey, mom, you know, you should go get a compound of 
something or other, go speak to a compounding pharmacy, she doesn't even know the word very well. And so we really have to think about the outreach to the patients. Every single opportunity a patient walks through your door, you have the ability, any one of your staff members has the ability to teach them about personalized medicine and how important it can be. Whether it's, you know, touching somebody's life right now or it will touch somebody's life in their family down the road. If you are taking that opportunity just to have a chat about them, that immediately sets your pharmacy apart from somebody else. And I'd say, you know, a picture says a thousand words. So if you can put that lab out in the forefront, take the opportunity to teach them, you know, think of an ice cream parlor. You walk into an ice cream parlor and all the ice cream flavors are out and visual. The first thing you want to do is, you know, look and see and, and taste and, and experience. So why couldn't you not have your assistant you know, as they're ringing up a patient for their, you know, vitamins, say, hey, did you know that we're making suspensions for, for a little girl today? And have that kind of conversation where you're, you're making it more of an educational piece and less of a marketing piece. I, I'm going to jump in here and I kind of, again, I didn't want to steal some thunder, but I would say that our lab and our pharmacy was actually part of our brand identity because that was probably the biggest thing is when we put our lab front and center and we had people walking by, they would actually stop in and be like, what's going on over there? The next part to it was, I didn't know you compounded here. That's awesome information to know. But the lab itself actually becomes part of that, that part of that understanding or that, that, that perception of what you do is seeing that action. It's different. It stands out. It means something. It's tangible look, it's there. And it, it's huge. It really is a huge uh, deal. Um, we had doctors in our building that didn't know we compounded until we moved across. And, and literally, we were downstairs for, uh, you know, almost 10 years prior compounding. And then we, we put the lab across the hall and they would stop and be like, what are you doing over here? Wow, that's huge. That's really good to know. And so to your commentary, it's just, it's, it's not just marketing. It, it, it is, it becomes that imagery which becomes that that part of that branding part so i i i think it's it's huge it, and if anyone's listening and they are thinking about a remodel make it so so visible um and make it a, at the forefront because that's what you're focusing on and you're spending a lot of money you might as well make it um something bigger and better than anyone else yeah and by no means did i want to make that recommendation that individuals were going to go and have to redo everything if they potentially quote unquote, have not done it right. That was not my point. It's just that if you are thinking about a remodel or renovation, relocation, these are all really great things to consider because they are tied to that brand image. And I, I can't help but go back to the episode that we recorded with Peter Koshland because he talked about that customer experience as well. And having a brick and mortar pharmacy in downtown San Francisco, A, is a rarity and B, um, really is trying to position himself so that individuals like your mom, Diana, who potentially need to find a compounding pharmacy are going to be more attracted to someone like Peter and his experience and what he's been trying to build. And I think that's, you know, in hindsight, that's the market that he's been trying to capture is, is not necessarily just trying to be another compounding pharmacy. It is to be the compounding pharmacy and how he's positioned himself um, both on an online presence as well as a physical space and what that tries to represent is, is pretty interesting. So I, I think your comment for me 
kind of encapsulated a lot of what we're trying to deliver in other episodes and, and that resonated with me as well. You know, I, I appreciate a lot of your insight and especially Sebastian's as well, knowing that he, he worked in a compounding pharmacy for such a long time and was probably living a, a brand image and probably didn't even realize it. But there, there was a lot of information that he shared too that was extremely critical to those that are looking at maximizing the value of having a compounding pharmacy and those that are trying to specialize in personalized medication. Diana, is there anything that maybe we didn't touch on, a parting message, things that you believe are just a must or something that maybe we didn't have a chance to, to ask you specifically that you want to maybe give as some advice um, as, as maybe your parting message before we, we wrap up today? Yeah, actually, back to Peter Koshlin, and, and it's a great example is, you know, he uses technology and innovation to make sure that people see his pharmacy from behind the scenes via his website and social media. And so, you know, we're not making recommendations on um, saying you must build a lab up front, but be creative. Uh, look at what you have to offer, whether it's a GoPro or an interactive way to kind of highlight what you guys, what your pharmacy and pharmacy business does well, and really taking the time to educate. Um, you know, there is, there's no reason why at every patient interaction or physician interaction, you can't say, and this, you know, reiterate the value that your pharmacy and your business holds dear and making sure that they understand the purpose of why you're doing that will, will sell your business even, even more than you think it will. It, it allows people to connect with you and it creates that experience that you want and it needs to be done consistently. So, you know, work at, at building that staff engagement and, and letting them know where, where there are, why are they at this, this pharmacy? Why are they working with you and for you and, and why you value them so much and, and just gives them a bigger purpose, gives everybody a purpose. I, I think that's phenomenal advice. And, um, and thanks for coming on and sharing not only your experience, but you know, some of the content that you've had the chance to deliver, uh, whether it was through prior marketing conferences that we've hosted or whether it's just on a daily basis to the members that you serve. Uh, Diane, I think you did a phenomenal job in it. I hope our listeners do feel the same as well. You know, it's interesting, and I didn't mention it in the beginning of the episode, but this is our 50th. So congratulations, Diana. You've You've had a chance to be our guest on our 50th episode. And I wanted to also thank our listeners because, you know, this is a vision that began almost two years ago to the day. And we've been able to maintain our, our biweekly average of a new release. And uh, just overall, thank you to all of those individuals that have followed, subscribed, and obviously listened along. And obviously to you, Diana, for recording the 50th episode. Very exciting. Congratulations. You should thank me for putting up with Sebastian. Goes without saying. And on that note, <laughs> oh, it's it, it's something worthy of mentioning. But Seb, congratulations to you for uh, for enduring me for fifty episodes. And like I said, thank you, Diana, and thanks once again to all of our listeners. As always, a reminder: uh, please follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so that you are connected via social media. And as always to subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or Spotify, the platform that you choose, so that you never miss an episode and hopefully stay with us for the 50 next editions of the Mortar and Pestle. Thank you once again for listening. We will be with you in the next two weeks. Take care.